0: Cats at night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Well, we're back. This is John Katsimatidis. It's 5 o'clock. You know, I was here almost 5 o'clock this morning, and I'm here 5 o'clock tonight. So, uh, what the heck?
1: Cats in the morning, cats at night, cats on the weekends, cats (laughs) overnight.
0: It's almost like WABC, always broadcasting cats. That's it. That's it. No more Curtis. Uh, We have in the studio with us, we have uh, Ed Cox, a common sense Republican, and and we have Governor George Pataki. Uh, Welcome, guys. And uh, we're trying to get the truth out today.
2: Uh, Thank you, John. You always do. I heard you this morning, and uh, your energy is incredible. Keep going.
0: And... uh, on my, on
1: my side, my sidekick, Lydia Serrano. How are you, Lydia? I'm doing well, sir. I don't know where you get your energy from. You're on the phone with the Washington Post, with all of these magazines and newspapers. They want your expertise. So we're, we're thrilled to have you here with us. Now on the line with us, we're going to talk about crime. That's an epidemic, not only in the city, but across New York State and in many states across the country. It is the Albany County District Attorney, David Suarez. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. I know you wanted to, you know, uh, Ed Cox. Oh, well. Ed,
3: Ed, Ed Cox here. You know, the crime situation is pretty bad here. Just in the streets, uh, just random attacks on people, uh, shootings, etc. cetera. What, what's the situation in Albany in your jurisdiction?
4: Well, it's, it's the same here. Um, what we have in, in, in Albany is a, a five-year high of, of crime and violence. Uh, 33% increase over the course of the last uh, um, uh, uh, five years. And so we're dealing with it, um, but it's it's a frustrating experience. Uh, and my focus now is to just continue to draw attention to the fact that um, the, the crime and the violence as it's happening here is really harming uh, the black and brown community. Uh, up, up to today, we have over 80 individuals who have uh, gone to our local trauma center uh, with, with bullets in their bodies. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, that can never be acceptable. Uh, but whenever we're talking about crime and in and, and public safety, we seem to be discussing it in political terms and we're not doing enough to actually talk about who is being hurt. So, district,
1: so what, I'm sorry, district attorney uh, Suarez, how do you think uh, bail reform plays a part in the rising crime?
4: It's played the most significant part, and I think that anyone who's arguing, um, you know, to the contrary is, is is being disingenuous. One of the things that we do in, in public safety is we identify individuals who are engaged in crimes, and we um, we attempt to to remove them from community. But when judges. are are compelled to consider the least restrictive condition and they're deprived from considering um, and exercising discretion and considering community safety, um, those individuals go right back onto the street. And the reality is it's the smallest number of, of individuals in our community that are committing the most um, violence. And and therefore this idea that, that, um, that New York state, in its embrace of, of these criminal justice reforms, this idea that this has nothing to do with, with uh, the increase in crime is just it's disingenuous and absurd. And, and we really need to, to revisit this when uh, our officials come back to the House here in Albany.
2: Uh, District Attorney Suarez, this is George Pataki. And first, thank you for what you're doing. You know, I spent 30 years in your great city. I love Albany. Uh, and I think as a, the greatest impediment to its economic and social revival is crime. Uh, and I know you're out there fighting the fight, and I appreciate that very much. Two points. First, thank you for saying that the victims are largely minorities. I've been saying that the whole way through. You have all these liberals who have drivers who use Uber or have doormen who, who don't appreciate what is happening on the streets, particularly if you're working from four to midnight or if you're riding the subway at midnight. The most vulnerable are those in the communities that have the least economic opportunity. And that is a message that I think... People like you have to get out because that will help change the political dynamic. My other question is, uh, first, thank you for having the courage to call out the insanity of the no bail law and the fact that so many of these crimes are being repeated by people who have been uh, arrested over and over and over. Would you support the call for a special session of the legislature simply to repeal the no bail law?
4: I, I would support this. I would support this for, for the reasons you just stated, sir. And I, uh, as a former neighbor of yours, I, I, I thank you for, for the services that you provided uh, here in the state of New York. And for the reasons that you've previously mentioned, the fact that this, it's just harming those that are already in the most vulnerable positions. And, um, you know, one of the greatest vulnerabilities that we have in addition to, to bail reform is, is the raise the aid statute that prohibits um uh, prosecutors from from enforcing our our gun laws uh to individuals who are 16 and 17 year olds we have to establish um by, by by clear convincing evidence we have to establish that an individual who is 16 and 17 uh possessing a loaded firearm displays the loaded firearm in order for us to keep that individual in the adolescent part uh, and prosecute that individual. If a person is carrying a loaded firearm and does not display it, you know they get to go to family court where you know they they receive counseling and they're right back out on the streets. Um, just this year alone, we are already at 167 confirmed shots fired, in in you know a small pocket of, of our community. That is just an unacceptable way for for good. Um, hardworking citizens with children to live uh, under those conditions. And, and for me, this isn't, as you know, I'm, I'm a, a lifelong Democrat and a, a progressive one at that. And I think, I think you all know that. Um, but I have to be consistent in, in my advocacy for communities, whether we're talking about failed policies of public safety, like the Rockefeller drug laws, or um, in this case, um, you know, bail reform and, and, and raise the age. They must come back to the Capitol. And and, and it's it, it's immoral not to um, to be back here to address this issue. There are people that are dying. Literally, people die.
1: D.A. Suarez, what do you say to Kathy Hochul and so many other legislators that say, listen. The stats simply don't support overturning bail reform, that we're not seeing repeat offenders. Or I don't know what you guys are talking about. What What do you say to that? And also another question I have to ask you, what percentage of those crimes being committed are by kids, are by people under the age of 18? Here in New York City, we're seeing rampant crime among teenagers.
4: That, that's exactly what's happening in addition to those younger children being exploited by, by older uh, criminals, knowing that the that um, they're not going to experience the same uh, criminal liability coming out of, out of family court. And, and what I would say to, to our leaders, again, I, look, I understand, I understand the political dynamics here, but I, I think that we have to muster enough courage to, to look beyond the politics here and just see what effects that, that the rise in crime is having, on those that, that are living in the most challenged of conditions as, as, uh, as Mr. Pataki had previously just stated. This is the thing that is, that, that is keeping this community down and preventing um, you know, th- those, those boats from rising, right. Uh, w- with, the, with the rising tide, which I, I believe there are opportunities that are coming down the pike, but unless we are able to eliminate crime, significantly reduce it and restore order, I just don't think that it's going to happen. And, and I would I would welcome that conversation with our leadership right now. And I would also welcome the opportunity to address those statistics that I, I believe the Division of Criminal Justice Services had provided at at, a, at an event a few weeks ago that they were touting because those statistics do not tell the full story. We have a healthy, healthy inventory of violence that we are continuing as we speak to attempt uh, to solve and those numbers do not speak of the current uh, inventory of violence that I think every city in the state of New York is
3: experiencing. D.A. Soros, you, you deal with the uh, cops all the time in Albany. They come to you with the arrests. Uh, they must be very frustrated this situation. <laughs> uh, are, are, they, are they as aggressive as they should be, or are they just because of the uh, frustration uh, pulling back a bit?
4: The greatest challenge right now in, in, in public safety leadership is to continue um, is to continue to, to, to preach every single day to, to those of us, our, our colleagues, to continue to instill confidence and and you know sending the, consistently sending the message that at the end of the day we're the only ones that can really help make a difference in these communities because we don't have you know the same um, the, the amount of, of outcry. Uh, that you see when when there are other, you know, acts of violence, uh, we just don't see it in, 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 in the vulnerable communities. And so if if the community is losing us, then all is lost. And so that's the message that we continue to deliver every day uh, to our partners in law enforcement, as well as to, to prosecutors who are working very, very hard to hold uh, violent people accountable.
0: A day I saw as uh, John Kasmatidis, and I keep saying this, uh, but the people have to hear it over and over again. Uh, we had the uh, commissioner, uh, police commissioner on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it's 3,000 violent repeat criminals in New York City that are terrorizing 90% of the crimes, terrorizing eight and a half million New Yorkers. Why is a hasty uh, the speaker hasty and uh, and cousins uh, in New York State a, a state senate supporting three thousand repeat violent criminals instead of a peaceful uh, uh, city for eight and a half million New Yorkers? Nobody understands it, and and I'm I'm quite frankly
4: I I, I don't understand it myself um, because I think now we've had enough time. to to see um, the effects of of the reforms and the impact uh, that it's having on communities. But, you know, I still think that we are at a place where if we made those changes, we could restore order. But I I don't believe that that we may be able to do that if more sessions come and nothing is done. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, the commissioner, I, I, I... my hat's off uh, to her and, and the challenge that the men and women in New York City uh, have in front of them um, because it is extremely frustrating and and the worst part uh, sir is is having to, to have these conversations with victims and and doing more victim advocates are doing more now in, in terms of of of, uh, of of witness protection planning. Um, because these individuals we can no, we can no longer assure victims of crime that that they should, you know, be comfortable in, in their home and in their space because this individual is going to be held pre-trial uh, I wouldn't send uh, DA,
0: I wouldn't send my kids down to the subway. I don't think you would send your children down to the subway either. I mean, it, it, how can the MTA make a comeback if parents will not send their kids down to the subway?
4: And these are the issues that I think we're all experiencing. It's I, I, I speak with people uh, on on many occasions who are just so frustrated, who are not directly victims of crime, but but are also experiencing and feeling the diminishment in in the quality of life, um, and and that's just something that we have to take on. We we just have to take on, and you know, for people using subways, but also for people who live in, in you know quiet streets uh, in, in upstate communities that should be quiet but continue to be barraged by gunfire and the reality is right now we are experiencing as a state a, a significant proliferation of illegal guns uh coming into our communities either by bordering states or or through the internet and you know what's what's is equally as dangerous uh, to having such proliferation of of, of guns on our streets is having the proliferation, the repeat proliferation of offenders willing to use those guns. I would just encourage our leaders, uh, upon their return, even calling a special session to address this violence, but even upon their return to make this the priority um, on behalf of New Yorkers.
1: Well, District Attorney David Suarez, thank you so much for putting the people ahead of everything and what you're doing and standing up and having the courage and saying what needs to be said and thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, because we we can't keep losing our children to senseless violence on both ends, whether they are the perpetrators of the crime, they're being used as pawns or they happen to be the victims. So thank you so much, District Attorney David Suarez.
4: I appreciate you for amplifying this message. Thank you so much. It's Cats
5: at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the John Katz Matidi's Cats at Night show. Now on the line with us is Angelo Vivolo. And Angelo, what are you're the uh, you're the chairman of the board for the Columbus uh, Citizens Foundation?
6: Mm, I was the chairman of the board and president. I'm I'm a board member at the moment, and a strong supporter of uh, of course Columbus and uh, the Columbus celebration, which is coming up this week.
1: So Columbus Day is Monday. I looked at my Apple calendar, and it says Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs>
6: Well... Uh, unfortunately, uh, that has happened, and we keep we keep trying to fight that because we believe that uh, it's it's not respectful to indigenous people, nor is it respectful to Columbus. People who support Columbus Day. Uh, each should have their own holiday, and uh, the Columbus Day has been been long holiday, especially supported by Italian Americans and all Americans because of what Columbus did to the world. He gave a world, and uh, we totally respect indigenous people, but uh, we believe uh, they should have another. day. Day to celebrate, not to celebrate on Columbus Day, and that's an issue we have. When we we continue to have it, uh, we have some people in Albany who don't agree with us. And uh, fortunately, at least the latest word is that uh, Governor Hochul and uh, and uh, candidate uh, Zeldin, uh, Congressman Zeldin, said if uh, so if it comes across their desk uh, a bill to uh, do away with Columbus Day, they would uh, veto that bill. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. We wish we had uh, George Pataki in in, uh, in Albany, but uh, unfortunately that's not the case right now.
2: Well, Angela, this is George Pataki. Thank you for that comment, <laughs> and uh, thank you for fighting the fight. And uh, you know, my uh, grandfather from Reggio Calabria, would be very proud of what you're doing, Your Calabrese. Out there. Uh, Calabrese. Yeah,
1: yeah, they see how I know a little yeah. bit about the, the
2: Italians. Uh, you mentioned that you know both the the governor and, and Lee Zeldin have said they'd veto a bill, but it's not just the day itself; it's the statues. And right now, I'm trying to help in Syracuse where they're going to take down a statue of Christopher Columbus, and this is just insanity trying to just uh, uh, change history to be politically correct to the extreme. And so uh, all I can say is just thank you so much, Angelo. Keep fighting. This This is a period of insanity that will pass. We just have to fight to get through it.
6: Well I'm I'm, I'm sincerely appreciate your comments uh governor and I can only remind you of something I think I told you once one day my dad was uh, meeting you and he said you know governor the only problem I had was I couldn't vote for you twice so uh mm-hmm. wish you were back in politics again because uh you were uh, uh, you were an outstanding governor and uh, a great individual and I'm I'm honored to to know, to know you
1: Thank you. Andy. Same here. Uh So we we talk about how important Columbus Day is. Why can you explain to people listening out there? They're like, oh, what's the big deal? Columbus Day, you know, whatever. Like, why is it such an important holiday uh, specifically for Italian Americans?
6: Well, Italian-Americans uh, associate with Columbus, uh, with the holiday uh, in 1892, the statue at uh, Columbus Circle went up, and Italians associated with uh, the great accomplishments of Columbus, uh, discovery and, and uh, his, his ability to... Uh, Really bring two worlds together. Uh, I don't know what be- what better to d- describe that. And we believe that anyone who's against Columbus Day or Columbus statues uh, has to realize that you have to. We have to respect all cultures. We, you know, you offend one culture, you offend them all. And uh, we're we believe that uh, people who uh, will who have with good sense will understand that and will we'll support us. But uh, I can't speak for the haters, you know. I can only tell you that uh, we wish that they would come and they would understand uh, what what Columbus means to the Italian American community. Hey, look, we have a great parade coming up uh, on Monday. We have a, 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 we have a lot of the entertainment. We have a lot of people marching, a lot of schools. Uh, it's really gonna be an exciting day. You know, another thing about Columbus Day this year, it's gonna be the 80th anniversary uh, that on Columbus State, that the federal government canceled its detention and detainment, detainment of Italian-Americans. There was over 600,000 Italian-Americans that were targeted as enemy aliens. Can you believe that? Uh, even though 1.5 million men and women well, of Italian extraction served in the United States Armed Forces.
0: Angelo, we're going to be broadcasting. I think uh, WABC Television is broadcasting it on television on television. Uh, on Monday, and WABC Radio is going to be broadcasting it on radio, mm-hmm. and it'll be a great day for, for everybody.
1: I'll be there, getting some interviews. No. I, hopefully, I'll see you. I hopefully to stand by you getting
6: those interviews. I think I, I hope this year I be able to spend some time with you on Fifth Avenue and help you interview some of the some of the great people coming up Fifth and, Avenue. And so, WABC
0: uh, uh, WABC uh, Radio is going to have a float, and Cousin Vinnie is going to be singing all the way up uh, Fifth Avenue.
6: Oh, that, that's that's great. That, that's Good really sauce. you know. I can't thank you enough. I know you're. I don't know how you did it. You were up at five this morning, and here you are doing your show at night. God bless you. I got Whatever it is that you're eating, whatever the water you're drinking, I think I'd like to have some of it. You know. Because, oh, thank uh, you so much. God bless you for all you do and for supporting uh, the Italian American community.
1: Well, thank you so much, Angela Vivolo, and we'll see you Monday. Happy Columbus Day.
6: Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Bye bye.
1: Now, the other big story of the day, since we have our oil expert in studio, we have Governor Pataki. We also have an—I would say you're an economy expert because you know so much, and you predicted the stagflation, oh, A- A everything. Ed Cox
0: was on the uh, the head director of Noble Energy for 40 years. Oh, I know.
1: Years, He's brilliant. He discovered
3: all the gas off Israel. Brilliant. the Mediterranean. I know, I know now, but now even it's great. With- Great rush to the energy in the Mediterranean.
1: But even when it comes to the stock market, you know it all. So OPEC, they're cutting production by two million barrels a day. Biden, he's trying to demonize OPEC. Who wants to start first? Like, what does this mean?
2: just comment on what Ed said about the natural gas discovery in the eastern Mediterranean. It's a tremendous boon for energy. There was a proposed gas pipeline. Uh, through cyprus to greece so that it could serve the balkan and eastern european countries the biden administration shot it down and now as you all see europe is just struggling desperately with the
3: gas availability this winter you know they do have gas that could be fracked in poland and in england and the new prime minister in england has, has talked about doing that in england i bet if they took the The expertise that we have in fracking here in the United States and took it over to England, they could be drilling it up in nine months.
1: John Katsimatidis, what's your prediction now that OPEC is cutting production by two million barrels? That's number one question. Number two, why are they doing this?
0: I think they think they can get away with it. I talked about it uh, on Fox uh, last Friday, and they, they did it on Sunday. Uh, They must have been listening to uh, my uh, interview. Uh, They're doing it because, A, the Russians need the money. Uh, At $100 a barrel, uh, that makes it a billion dollars a day. And they're using that billion dollars to uh, pay for uh, uh, what, uh, the Wagner Group. What is that? That's the,
3: the Wagner Group.
1: That's mercenaries. The, mercenaries. Uh, mercenaries. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: mercenaries to fight the war because they don't have the warriors in Russia to fight the war. So they're hiring mercenaries. Wow. And the Saudi Arabians, why are they doing it? Because they know Biden is not
1: going to do anything about it. They can get away with it. So what does that mean for us at home?
6: Uh,
2: two things uh, on Saudi Arabia. <laughs> One of the first things Biden did when he got elected to say, call them a pariah state, you know, basically saying we don't want to have anything to do with you. Then he reopens the, the negotiations for Iran to give them sanctions relief. Both of these have just driven Saudi Arabia away from the U.S. This is going to have a horrible impact on our economy and on consumers.
1: And now, where strategic oil supply is down forty, it's we haven't seen it this low in forty years. Well, when
3: you all, when you take a million barrels a day out of this, this strategic petroleum reserve, mm-hmm. you are lessening our our country's defenses. That is supposed to use for military purposes. When other oil is cut off because you are at war, we are not at war at the moment. This is this is about politics and Biden trying to lower the price.
1: We are of at war, though. The Biden administration's at war at war with the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, with our own
3: energy industry exactly. and that's a huge part
2: of the problem Their own
1: country why if why we
2: if he hadn't turned off what the u.s energy industry was doing we would be producing today two million barrels a day more exactly. so this wouldn't have an impact but it's going to have a huge impact and i think in significant part it's saudi arabia telling biden you call us a pariah you cozy up to iran all right but we're going to retaliate and they have what by do the guys- way guess
3: who else wants higher prices russia this Russia is OPEC not. plus. Sure. Yes. Right. This is Saudi Arabia and it's Russia. A working together. It's
0: a partnership between Saudi Arabia and Russia to say, screw the Americans.
1: So what do you think about the White House saying OPEC is aligning with Russia after production cut? What is that I mean it sounds well, to me like you're saying it because it's true. So what are you gonna do about it? Right. Right. All right. Oh, and another little piece of information, this quarter, according to the Shell CEO, this quarter China grew coal production by more than in the entirety of Shell's global energy production. So China is ramping up their coal production. While we've got energy right below our feet, and we're suffering, and we're beholden to OPEC and Saudi Arabia and Iran. And God Germany help us.
2: is reopening its coal power plants and because they
1: don't have other. Its and by the plants. way, that's, di-
3: that's dirty coal. It's, it's dirty to use. That's right.
1: Yeah. You're saying China doesn't have clean energy.
3: This is Cats at
5: Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis, Cats at Night show. In studio, of course, we have John Katzmatidis. We have uh, former Republican state GOP chair Ed Cox. We also have Governor Pataki. Notice I don't want to say former because I wish you were still the governor. Um, On the line with us right now, we have Vincent Vallelong. He's the president of the Sergeant Benevolent Association. Welcome to Cats at Night. Thanks. How are you? We are great. So tell us about your endorsement of Congressman Lee Zeldin for governor of New York.
5: Well, I can tell you that it was a, it was a pretty uh, long process. We went back and forth with my board, and, you know, we met with Lee and we met with Allison a couple of times, probably about three or four times. And, I, I listen, I have a responsibility to my membership and more so to the people of New York City and to the state uh, and to keep my guys safe and to keep the citizens safe. And I'm terrified for what's going on on exactly what it is that's going on today with crime across this city and the politicians across this state are not doing anything to correct this, including the governor.
1: You couldn't be more correct. There was another story just uh, the other day, a 25 year old man was pushed from behind by an emotionally disturbed individual. Thank God he's okay. Some bystanders helped him, but he had a big gash on his head. The guy that pushed him had 43 arrests. He's now in Bellevue. I mean, how frustrating is this? We have laws in place, and yet somehow, some way, we can't get these people the help that they need. Who has to die before the politicians wake up, specifically those in Albany, that we need to get emotionally disturbed or people that are repeat offenders off the streets and let the cops do their jobs?
5: Well, you know, you ask the question is who it is that has to get hurt. I I would hope would never be anybody. But it seems as if it, it would have to be somebody that is very close to some of these politicians, yeah. Because they, cl- because they clearly, clearly do not care about the average citizen or the tourist coming into this into this city or this state at all. I mean, it it, I, it it it's amazing to me how they do not see what is going on to this city right now, and there is no way to correct this unless bail reform has changed, unless. The governor steps in, which she hasn't this whole time, and changes policy, or puts, or actually puts a little pressure on the Congress, on the people up in up in Albany to change policy. I mean, it's bail reform is is basically the bane of what it is that's going on right now.
2: Vince, this is George Pataki. First, thank you for what you and your members do. We're we're doing great. Uh, But except except I feel like you, I'm very, very distraught about the direction of the city and state. Um, You're absolutely right. We have to change the bail law. We have to change so many of the other laws. Uh, And the politicians, I think, know what they did is wrong. They just are so trapped in this political correctness. They need more pressure. Uh, And that's what. John and W.A.B.C. and all of us are trying to do is tell them, you know, it's wrong. Now change it. Uh, in the meantime, one of the big issues is how do you keep the morale in the police department up? Your members go out there, risk their lives, arrest people. And two hours later, they're out on the street. Is there anything you can do? Or is there anything the public can do uh, until these laws get changed to help your members understand how appreciated they are despite their frustration?
5: Mr. Governor, I'll be very honest with you. It's, I, don't, I don't know if it can be corrected right away. I mean, we are running with minimum staffing. Our, our, there's, there, there is, nobody wants to take this job. And the people that are out there, I mean, our guys on the street day in and day out, it, it, this is like night after night after night. I mean, there, there's no relief in sight. Um, the only way this is going to change is if, is if they actually change the way the system works. And the district attorneys across this city are not doing their job. And, and that's the bottom line. And what people don't realize is that everything stems from what happens within the DA's office. If they do not prosecute these crimes, these individuals are put back out on the street. They are emboldened. It, 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 takes, a, it takes away from, from our, uh, not our commitment, but it takes away from, you know, why are we doing our job? Why, why are we locking people up for petty crimes when they're out the next day and they throw it in your face? It, it, it makes no sense at all.
1: Uh, Vincent, I don't know if you were listening before, but we were interviewing David Suarez, the Albany County District Attorney, and he was telling us that he is asking the legislature to come back for a special session and make bail reform the number one priority. He's a self-proclaimed lifelong Democrat progressive. And he said, I mean, the, the majority of the victims are people of color and he's tired of seeing these people die. He's also tired of seeing teenagers being the killers and being killed. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I guess I'm sharing in your frustration how the other D.A.s don't have the courage to stand up and do what is right. Well,
5: maybe maybe these other district attorneys should actually go back out into the street and not not so, not to witness the crimes, but to talk to the mothers in, in a lot of these communities and sit down and say, what, what is what's going on here? And they will get an earful on how they are scared for their children just being able to go to school we have, we have gang problems that, that are running rampant. You have you attacks have on people on the street. These aren't even just like being punched in the face. You're talking about individuals that are beating people down. You've seen what happened in, in the subway station in JFK. Yes. That's happening all over the place. We, we mm-hmm. shouldn't be living in fear. We pay taxes in order to get something back, and they're not giving us anything back.
0: All, all that New Yorkers want to be is they want to be safe. They want to be able to send their kids down the subways. They want to be able to go to work and not, uh, and not be scared. They want to be able to go to dinner at night outside and walk back home. And right now, they can't do it.
1: Curtis Lee was telling me that his sources were telling him that at the funeral for that EMT woman 61 years old that died that she was stabbed to death horrifically in the middle of the day her parents elderly both in wheelchairs gave an earful to Mayor Adams as well as Letitia James and they, and they said to the mother specifically said to Mayor Adams you were in law enforcement for decades you know what to do but at this point I feel like Mayor Adams knows what to do but he too is being handcuffed by the radical left, but he needs to have the courage to call out Kathy Hochul and to call out these people that seem to be putting their party, that allegiance before the actual people.
5: I'll tell you that anything that is done right now going forward from up in Albany is will be clearly looked at as nothing more than just to save their own tails when it comes to a vote come in November, because where were they this whole time? Where were they? Where were they all these years when the parole board was letting out cop killers on the street? They're all part of this. They've been part of what, what it is that, is that has transpired. And now they don't like that they woke up and the city has become what it has.
1: Well, well thank you so much, Vincent Valalong, the president of the Sergeants Benevolent Association. I just want you to know we here at WABC, we back the blue. We're going to also have our back the blue day soon, right, John?
0: Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Sergeant, keep speaking out because somebody has to speak out. And thank you for speaking out. Thank you very much. Have a, have a good night.
1: Night. And now we're going to go to another really strong, outspoken, uh, the probably the greatest senator we've ever My had greatest in New, York. New
0: York state senator we ever had.
1: Maybe I'm going to say he's the greatest senator this country has ever had. And oh, he's also no, got a beautiful voice. It. He's also got a beautiful voice. And today's what the anniversary of that, that, that beautiful voice, that special song that you sang. Senator Alphonse Samata, welcome back to Cats at Night.
7: Great to be with you guys. You're doing a great, wonderful job for not only your radio station, but for the country, for speaking the truth and letting people let you know what they think, whether you agree or disagree. Now, I have to tell you, I read some statistics today that are mind-boggling. Do you know what the national debt will be at the end of this year? It'll be over. That's the accumulated debt, which is called the deficit it will be over 31.6 trillion dollars. 31.6 trillion. Now to give you an idea, the interest that we will have to pay annually on that debt is more than we pay for the defense department. It's more than we pay for social security. Can you imagine? That's the interest. What we are doing is heading this country into bankruptcy. We've increased the national debt in thirteen years three times. We've gone from ten billion six, or ten trillion six, to thirty one.
0: When Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton did a deal, the uh, it was five and a half trillion. And it went down from five and a half trillion down to five trillion, and here
7: we are, John, five, and here we are thirty one six and the interest that we're going to have to pay the interest is more than we spend on social security it's more than we spend on our defense department. Now one of the things we got to stop spending money on this. Uh, uh, get green business. You 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 know, cut it out. We got to start drilling the average uh, uh, for oil and uh, natural uh, and natural gas, so that we are self sufficient. We have to set
0: up. North a America has to be self sufficient in oil, otherwise, uh, uh, how do they say it in Brooklyn? We're going to take the pipe.
7: You got it. We're ready to take the pipe, and you know who it is the American people it's the working families and forget about poor people coming to this country, looking for a place to do better because this will not be the place between and the drug addiction that is taking place. The people who are dying, the youngsters, this fentanyl of all colors and whatnot that traps these kids and kills them one pill and it kills them. This is incredible. You got to close that damn border, build the wall, and then you allow people to come in. When you check with them, you see to it that they're not uh, uh, drug pushers and killers, etc. because we always are a country. We're made up of immigrants. We're proud to be able to help, but you can't come have them come in uncontrolled and then ship them all over the country secretly and they have been doing this for the past almost 2 years since this How administration do you say it in Brooklyn? Over.
0: You know, the Washington has been conning the American people for a yep. while and and this is I I think the American people are finally getting fed up they should be fed up john and senator um just thank you for for
2: continuing to fight the fight even as even as a private citizen and you mentioned what this is doing on interest and the cost but it also is one of the main reasons we have inflation when you have the the federal oh, government sure. borrowing 5 trillion dollars and giving it away uh it just Dramatically increases inflation. That's killing everybody as well. I just want to make, I just want to say something. We wish you were in the Senate because 30 years ago today. You performed the second longest filibuster in the history of America. And if you were down there, I know if you had to speak for three days straight, you would do it to prevent these massive deficits from being accrued. What was
3: the song again? What was the song again? Old MacDonald? Old MacDonald. What did you sing, Senator? Let, oh, oh,
7: oh. Yeah, south of the border, down yes,
3: Mexico that's the ways, that's,
7: because the jobs that we lost went to Mexico. Huh? Now, let me tell you something about that filibuster. Um, I started at about 7 o'clock at night, 7.30, and about 2.30 in the morning. You know who came to the Senate for to assist me to ask long-winded questions so I could save my voice? I'll
2: bet senator it was Joe. Biden. Daniel
7: Patrick Moynihan. OK, you want to talk about a great senator? There was a great senator. He made politics were second. The state in New York and doing what was right and saving, trying to fight to save these jobs to these people who worked in this typewriter factory outside of Syracuse. Daniel Patrick Moynihan came down and would ask me these long-winded questions. And then finally, at about 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning, he said to me, Al, he said, listen, the House of Representatives has gone out. It doesn't make any sense to continue this because I would have continued it. But I did not want to show him disrespect after he came down to join and assist me in this in this matter that's the way we used to be
1: Senator D'Amato, what what happened to your old friend uh, Joe Biden the other day? He said he was raised by Puerto Ricans in Delaware, which I didn't know. There was such a large Puerto Rican community in Delaware. Then today (laughs) he said something to the the effect that he was raised in the black church. He literally said that. And he also said that his house almost burnt down with his wife in it. And we learned that it was just a small kitchen fire. What 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 is going on?
7: You know, we get a little older and sometimes things may appear to us. So now we think we're Puerto Rican and black? Well, then he, he probably had occasion uh, to run into <laughs> or to meet or to be or, with people uh, in the minority community, his, Hispanics and, 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 and blacks. Um, and, and so he went, like many politicians we have a tendency to exaggerate and uh, he no. exaggerates a little. He went further by saying, oh, yeah, I was raised uh, well, you know, a lot of, if, if he said a lot of Puerto Ricans and, and blacks, you know, he went a little further uh, than was the actual fact. So that's a tendency. And unfortunately, when we get older, uh, we get a little forgetful.
2: Senator, um, I, I put you up against Joe Biden for a, a Jeopardy uh, show anytime. Your memory is a lot better than it is. I don't years, think it has clear. to do with
0: age. And, and it might and not. I think be it has to do with character. Senator D'Amato is six years, seven years older than Joe Biden, and he's as sharp as a tack. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it
1: has to do with character versus age. I think I, I hate when people like use that as like, a, like a, a crutch or an insult because you can be super Left. sharp.
7: Listen. The important thing is that we take back the Congress, and that's why I'm working for so hard for a young man who's running on the South Shore of Long Island in Nassau County uh, by a district that was rep- that is represented by a Democrat, the former district attorney, and she's retiring, and now it's open, and that's that's Anthony. D'Esposito. De he was a New York City detective. In ten years, he arrested over six hundred people, all kinds of criminals, especially those who assaulted women uh, 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 for rape, uh, incest, etc. Incredible, incredible record. A real fighter for the people. A man who. And what is he running for, Senator? call for a tax increase when she was the supervisor voted against it so he's a fighter for the taxpayer and a fighter for common sense and protecting people particularly our women he was out in the forefront uh before he turned uh to coming into government uh, and an elective office so anthony d'esposito he's fantastic Great, he'll be a great congressman, and uh, it's going to be a tough
0: race. But Anthony can win, and if he wins, the well, people, we will of support the nation. him. We will support yeah. him. If you, if Al D'Amato says support him, I will support him. Thank you well, so much, uh, Santa D'Amato, Thank you so much. We we followed each other this morning. We followed each other tonight. What are you doing tomorrow morning? <laughs>
7: Five o'clock. Um, I'm, I'm uh, Sleeping up until the time my kids leave for school, my son goes to my old alma mater, Chaminade, and he he gets a bus that comes at 6.42 in the morning, and they they take him over there. It's a great school, and um, so I'll be up to see him uh, to the bus, and then I'll take my, my daughter, who goes to the local... Elementary school, Long Beach Catholic. I'll I'll drop her off in the morning uh, to school. So Thank that's that's you, I Senator. My
0: day. We'll talk soon. And uh, th- this morning we had Dr. Peter Michalos follow Senator Damato, and tonight we got Dr. Peter Michalos following Senator Damato. Dr. Michalos, where what revelations did you come up with today?
8: Well, the bottom line is that America is under attack with chemical warfare in the form of drugs entering our country and today dr ken uh, finn president of the american board of pain medicine the vice president of international academy of science and impacts of cannabis basically told us that there's a sharp dramatic increase in marijuana psychosis and there's a lot of unregulated high potency cannabis entering the market they want to get people hooked on it as best as possible And he said that it's linked to many more cases of psychosis and exacerbation of uh, psychiatric conditions like schizophrenia and that ER doctors and psychiatrists are reporting a dramatic large increase in these cases. And a lot of these marijuanas now they're finding are laced with other chemicals and contaminants as well. And we're finding out that mothers who smoke marijuana during pregnancy, the kids have more psychiatric problems by age 10 than the people who don't smoke it. And the problem is we don't have enough inpatient drug facilities and rehab centers to deal with these things. And I think that if they're legalizing marijuana, taxes from the cannabis should go to pay for some of these inpatient rehab facilities and the expansion of these facilities that we don't have. And the use in uh, states that legalized it, marijuana use is up 26% on the average in each state that keeps legalizing it. And on the ballots... We have another five states that are looking to legalize it, and we're going to be seeing more car accidents because instead of having DWIs, we're going to have uh, DW highs where people are going to be driving while they're intoxicated with these things. And then the other thing that nobody's talking about is that the Journal of Epigenetics, uh, Epigenetics Susan Murphy from the Department of Duke University, found that there's a gene linked to autism that may undergo changes in men's sperms and the smokers of marijuana, and that these changes in the sperm may be transferred to their offspring. So that means you have these epigenetic changes where you're changing the information or your software and giving it to your kids and passing it on. And this is a very serious thing. That, Dr. Uh, Dr. We'll Nicholas
3: Ed Cox, you are brilliant on this, and I have a, Basic question about fentanyl. It's a very deadly drug, I understand, and most of the deaths now are coming from fentanyl. Just a little bit will kill the person who's taking it.
8: Because it's using uh, cardiac uh, anesthesia, it stops you from breathing.
3: But, but, so you how, the, but how can that be profitable for the cartels <laughs> running one? To give me a drug, uh, I mean, other drugs, marijuana, yeah. cocaine, yeah. others, you, the customer stays alive and keeps and flying. Is this I'll have, explain to you what
8: happened. We had good intentions with something called the I-STOP program, where you used to go to a doctor and go to three different doctors and three pharmacies, and you got the legal prescription drug, and it was labeled, 10, whatever, uh, five milligrams of oxycodone. The problem is, and they knew that that was the dose that they could take and they wouldn't pass out, they wouldn't stop breathing. The problem is now the street pharmacist, you can't control the dose, the concentration. So when you just take a little tiny bit of fentanyl and this stuff is made in garages and basements somewhere, you're getting sometimes a 100 times the medical dose that you would normally get prescribed by a doctor. Suddenly you take it and 10 minutes later you're not breathing anymore and you're usually by yourself when you're doing drugs. You're not with somebody. You're
0: dead. You're dead. And
8: then when you're with somebody, they're not going to call the police. They just run out of the house and they, that's what happens many times and it's happened out here in the Hamptons. I know of cases where the other kids got freaked out when they saw the kid not waking up and they didn't want to, they just ran out and let the kid, they let the kid die die instead of calling 911.
0: Uh, okay. Dr. Michalos, thank you for keeping us informed and keeping all New Yorkers and all Americans informed. And uh, you know what we stand for on this show: truth, truth justice, justice, and in the American, American way. way. God bless America. God bless uh, the world. We do need God's blessing. And vote the right way, November eighth. Don't don't give up the ship. Don't let us sink.